coming up on the Naughtiest Naughty. I should have got them at the start of lockdown. I've had all this time and nobody's really seen this. I could have had frosted tips this entire time. Oh, piss. Kylie's spinning around is still Scott's favourite track of the noise so far. But last week, Liam switched from Craig David's Seven Days to Silence by Delirium. you know what I don't regret it I've had a whole week to potentially tear myself up from from inside but I I feel good about it I feel strong about it and I I love it that's good I was concerned you were going to go the other way because you know you can be a reflective soul and as much as Silence Delirium is a massive track I was still worried that on reflection you were going to be kind of scarred by my hole it's brilliant it is the best track of the week but it's not a pop song. Well, I don't care. <laughs> but you know what it is? I, I was at work on Friday and it came on seven days, Craig David, just after my shift finished. And I thought, oh, it's a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> Literally, like a few hours after I'd cast it aside, it came on to haunt me. And I sat there singing along. I was going, oh, fuck, it is really good. But it's just tough, man. It's just tough. The question is, though, how long has Craig David been listening to this podcast for? How did he get a VPN access to BBC Newcastle? And how did he know how to program the radio playout software for whenever you left your shift? You know, Oof. yeah, we will never know. Oh, we will I'm, never know. Well, no, I guess not. But you've, you've, you've put the willies in, is there? You've said <laughs> that's a bit creepy. If you've just joined us, if you if you just for the first time, we are the Naughtiest Naughty. My name's Liam. We've got Scott as well. Welcome. And people ask us, you know, what gives us the right to do this? Why why, why us? Why not like Scott Mills and her off of Gogglebox, who <laughs> clearly have more expertise than us? Well, I thought we'd just, just put those fears aside. Scott, would you like to introduce yourself and, and who you are? I'm Scott and I have a microphone on the internet at home so I can do this. No, uh, <laughs> Me too. Hi, I'm Scott. Wow. <laughs> yes, well done. Uh, my name's Scott. I work in radio and I have done so for 10 years, ever since I was a fetus. I think I've grown up with the radio on. So there is a lot of musical knowledge in my head. And I think from previous conversations with a former producer of mine, uh, Mr. Liam Milburn, Hello. we have established that we've got very interest in views and uh, alternative aged views because of our, how long have, have we got a 16 year gap? What's the gap age gap? 13, 12, 12, 13, 12, 12, 12 year age gap. So we have very different experiences of songs. And because of my 16 year old plus experience during this era and Liam's four year old experience, <laughs> we might have different things to say. But Liam, you're a bit of a music connoisseur. Uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't say that. I think if anything, doing this has made me less of a music connoisseur. That doesn't, so- that, that doesn't sound right. No, no. I think I'm, I'm looking at music more closely, but I'm not trying to like listen to expansive amounts of weird African funk or like German electro. I'm purely focused on what was top 10 in the noughties and that's good. <laughs> but we are, we are studying it quite closely. Yes, I am Liam. I was Scott's producer for a couple of years. I've known Scott for about nine years, all told, which is bizarre. Creepy. And uh, yeah, I like music. Is that enough for you? Are you happy now? Are you satisfied? I think so. But we do call you Mr. Kids TV. So what we've <laughs> got to remember is actually from a very young age, you were just marketed at pop music of this era because you were the one that was going to tug on your mum's clothes and say can I have steps please can I have you know you watched Live and Kicking you watched Fully Booked you watched CD UK SMTV Live all of them you were the kid that was being targeted because you were going to be the one that was going to get mum or dad to spend some money in songs so you know this is why our two different eras are interesting in this podcast I had to spend pocket money that I'd earned or money I'd earned from a supermarket you were able to ask a parent yeah I'm a product of capitalism. I spent most of my life ruled by the conservative government and 
I love buying pop music. <laughs> Thanks, government. And I grew up in Northern Ireland and I know country music. <laughs> Which we will lean into a little bit in today's episode, by the way. That is going to come up very soon. We've got eight fantastic tracks on this week's episode, but on Monday, we've got six bonus ones from the year of October that didn't quite make it in from Whitney Houston and Enrique Iglesias, Texas, Azido de Bass, Madison Avenue, Blur and Coldplay. But first, let's get into today's business. And last week, uh, I hadn't written any cues, so I'll let you play a little guessing game with me, Scott. How do you fancy giving that a go again? Oh, we could try it, right? We've done no prep for this at all, so let's see. Okay, <laughs> so we're in October 2000, and if you went to a dance and you were banging your feet up and down, what could that be? Jig. Nope, keep going. If you were, if there was like maybe a spider or something on the floor, that was inhumane, what would you do to that spider if you wanted to kill it and were a murderer like that? Splat. No. Um, 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 um. It sounds like if you change the vial in one of the little things that you stick on top of an envelope whenever you're wanting to put it in a post box. Stump. A stump by steps. Yes, very good. You've got two golden retrievers and then wifey's opened the door and then they've escaped and then somebody shouts. Who let the dogs out? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, Five girls and... They want you to scream your name. What would you do if somebody's a... Uh, uh, I've got... Hold on a second. <laughs> two two times I've been around that track and it ain't nobody going... Because I ain't no something... Holler back, girl. Yeah, okay. But it's not that song, but it is called Holler by Spice Girls. Um, friends, Rachel rings Ross whenever he is with Julie. She's out on a drunken date and she rings him and says this and leaves him a voicemail saying... I'm over you. Yep, by Martin McCutcheon. A reference I don't get. <laughs> Name for a fringe in America? <laughs> bangs. <laughs> yes, uh, she bangs Ricky Martin. Um, yeah. This one, oh, it's not... It's not torso, three torso, but... <laughs> Body to body. Samantha Mumba, yes. And it's yeah, not... It's not, it's not sunrise... But Sunset Sunset Bird of Prey by Fatboy Slim that was difficult <laughs> well I, I, it's not my job to make it easy for you it's not my <laughs> job to to make this coherent in any way we'll kick off with a track from a group that were called Pure Methane Inducing Dung by a blogger found online this is Stomp from Steps If you're a farmer in Northern Ireland, you love methane and you love that smell of dung. So I get the feeling he's contradicting himself. Obviously a city slicker. And yeah, step stomp. What your, what's your thoughts? I was going to say, I've been, I've been in a car with you before. been going through like country roads. You've been going, mmm, listen, oh, we'll get a smell of that. Ooh, love that. Ooh. It's almost perverse, but uh, I get where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, I hated it when I was a kid until somebody else, whenever we were doing Duke of Edinburgh, we went into this barn because our tent blew away. So we went into a barn and we were like, what's that smell? And this farmer was like oh i can all oh, i can smell is dung and i think that's lovely <laughs> so ever since that i've been like should i appreciate dung more so yeah so sometimes i'm partial to a nice bit of dung there you are just clip mm-hmm. that yeah we've got that clipped fantastic that's a new <laughs> it's a shame nobody has like ringtones anymore like you'd have like oh but yeah but no but and you could have like love a bit of dung i'm partial to a bit partial of dung, to a bit of dung. Speak, <laughs> speaking of dung let's talk about steps no that's unfair I, I was surprised by the reaction to this online from from most of the blogs that i saw nobody else was quite as enthused as I was. Oh man, at the time, people loved this. Mm. I still like it to this day and I kind of felt bad for, you know, if somebody said name a Steps track, I wouldn't be quick enough to get to this one and actually I think this is a jam. Isn't it? Isn't it just? So the important thing to note that it is a sample of Everybody Dance by Chic, which sounds like this. I love that so hard. I read that it's not an official sample, so Chic don't have a writing credit and therefore wouldn't get royalties for it. And I mean, it, it, it is Everybody Dance by Chic. I'm not sure how they pull that one off. It's a weird one because like, well, there's no lyrics in it. it no. Is, it is instrumentation, yeah. really. So, and it just depends. Like, I've not looked at the legals to say who owns what. Let's not but go there. It's still, 
it's still yeah it's still kind of subtle in many respects but mm-hmm. you know it's just kind of it's just kind of pumping really like i think it's just as this is just a fun 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 song and i hadn't yeah. realized actually that it it got to number one and i think this is kind of steps kind of doing what they do best really you know there's like high energy there's disco vibes and it's just good crack really it is good crack it is just like a brilliant disco pop production on the right side of cheesy you know think about things like five six seven eight that maybe step into novelty territory but you know being the first one Mm -hmm. this one kind of i felt like on the right side of cheesy i didn't feel i didn't feel i mean not that i feel guilty at all for listening like any of these songs because pop music is the best but uh, i didn't I, i felt no guilt i just felt fully immersed by it i was surprised to read that it was steps just their second number one, but also their final number one, because yeah. we are, in the grand scheme of things, in the final furlong, aren't we? This is like the last year of Steps' existence before that sacrimonious breakup in December 2001. Which is really funny, because they've been on my timeline all week. You mm. know, people doing, when the nightclubs open, and the, the meme, or the, the gif is like Steps yeah. in a dance yeah. routine, socially spaced, and, and they're going around, so kids might just be refinding Steps. We'll have to see what happens with that one but the song itself like you say is on the on the right side of cringe parts of the video for me are a bit too cringe oh yeah if, if we're talking the video the the video is uh is, a, is another level of cringe it really points again to Faye for me because Faye's the one that feels really natural and really not contrived or over cheesy she seems like she could just be like a, a solo artist you know facing the camera correctly everything's really natural and it's not like over overdone really mm, but that was that mm. was the steps thing maybe Faye was a bit underdoing it at that time really yeah but potentially dance routines brilliant i think yes. that the breakout to the dance routines are my favorite bit of it really the rest of it and um, like the, the the other shots and stuff really aren't necessarily for me but it's one of these things again where i ended up wanting to watch live performances of it to see if i liked the live performances better than the actual music video and i did and then what really impressed us is there's loads of different like Top of the Pop CD UKs and um, live and kicking versions and stuff of it. And the Top of the Pops one that I first came across, which I actually remember watching, and I think maybe it was my first introduction to the track, their dance routine, right? They are so in sync with each other. Mm. Like, I mean, flawlessly in sync. And if you watch it, it's actually pretty impressive and it shows how sharp they were in that one performance. And it, it, it's really, really good. And it just lifts up the track for you again. Hmm. I have been indulging myself in the Steps Reunion TV series on YouTube. Whoa, it came class. up as a suggested video because I've been watching so many Steps videos, just music videos. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a watch because I've heard about it and I've heard it's um, bonkers. And it is. You know, going through the whole, the breakup, why it happened, them trying to get back together, but all through the lens of like a reality TV scripted reality drama sort of thing that you get these days and it is wild but one thing that stuck with me and i I noticed watching this among many things is that lee when when he was in the band especially in these times was so kind of he felt so put out because he never really got any good vocals and people in the band and people outside the band would tell him that he was only there because of his looks and because he could dance and he wasn't there for his voice mm-hmm. and um when it came back to to the reunion and they were doing that first song back he was kind of like well i'm feeling those same feelings again you know the girls are getting the good parts h has just walked in he's getting the good parts and i'm kind of like left to just sort of be in the background and he said that he if he knew he wasn't going to be on the song he wouldn't lip sync in the video yeah and if you look here he doesn't lip sync here he just dances and he's actually he's actually like really he's, he's, he's barely in the the video as a main member he does feel very pushed out and i felt bad for him really yeah that's pretty sad to be fair because like he was he was for me he was really likable yeah you know they weren't you know steps were very much like there was kind of someone for everybody really but you know like other bands, there was probably members of Steps that, you know, you loved one, but you really disliked another one. Yeah. You know, there was it was a really severe seesaw in many respects, and there wasn't very many, like, for me personally, there wasn't very many bands where I disliked a member. There was just, I was always pulled towards a favourite, or mm. that changed about, really, across the time. But I liked him. I thought he was brilliant, and I can remember, like, yeah. the focus on him being the fact that he, you know, was really good at football at one point, and I think he was on live and kicking, doing keepy-ups or something like that. Right. But... <laughs> Yeah, I think, like, generally, I think this is a great pop song. Mm. You could play about with it now, and I think this is really, really memeable. Yes. You know, it's very TikTokable, yeah. and you could do something with that. And I think if it had some sort of, like, little resurgence, I'd be pretty happy with that and pretty happy for Steps. But is the series any good? Y- you said there about, like, 
you know, you, you like one and hate another one, you might end up hating all five by the end of it because it's so contrived and so dramatic. You know, the squabbles are really accentuated by the fact it's on TV. Yeah. So you may you may end up hating them all. And I sort of, I couldn't watch it all in one sitting. I had to get, have little breaks just to go and like scream into pillows and stuff. But right. it's entertaining. It's really entertaining. But it's, it's also kind of like, you feel weird being there with them because, you know, if that really is the first time they've met up in, what, 10 years as a band... Why is it on TV? Like, it just felt a bit like dirty being there. It felt mm-hmm. a bit like intrusive, but it's certainly as a, as a voyeuristic bit of TV of one of the best pop bands of the late 90s, early noughties. It's great. Mm-hmm. Gotta watch it. And especially the, the, this, the follow-up series, which is them going back on tour together because it's just carnage. Like, everything goes wrong. Like, spoiler alert, but like, when they did those first shows, they were not ready and they were getting way, way too much work put on them. You know, they were really overexerting themselves because of pressure from management and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad they're back. And I want to say one thing just quickly. I didn't realise that Lisa had braces. Oh, right. O- only watching on this, like 20 years later, did I realise that not just in... I thought it was part of the character, first of all, because you have like, at the start of the video, you've got Lisa and H going to get this rooftop apartment for a party. Which has like party food and all sorts, no drugs or anything. It's so, oh, but yeah, she's got braces. Is that is that part of the character? <laughs> but no, she also has them in the way you make me feel as well. So that's quite nice. She's like, you know, that, that must be quite a, a positive image to send out to, to, to fans of that age who mm-hmm. also have braces and see a pop star who has braces. It's yeah. kind of nice. At this point, I just had my train tracks taken off. I had braces. Mm. Oh. I was fit. Although my, my teeth, when they were taken off, for some strange reason, my teeth felt like piano keys. I kept licking my my teeth like I was in an Arm and Hammer toothpaste advert but I felt like my teeth looked like horse teeth because I hadn't seen the front of my teeth for like two and a half years or mm-hmm. something like that so yeah you become pretty paranoid whenever they come off it's, 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 it's an odd time so there have been many important questions in history you know I think, I think the foundation of life is based on questions of us understanding each other, having those dialogues, having those conversations, and fully understanding what makes the world tick. Has there been a question more significant in life than this? <laughs> Scott, Scott, just out of curiosity, who let the dogs out? Me da. Oh, good old Bert. This is Baha Men. I cringed when I saw this coming right and then listened to it and didn't actually hear it and I thought I was going to really hear it No, me, 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 mm. me neither I think I've got no opinion I think I, I understand how happy it makes some people and I understand how much it pisses off some people but I'm in neither camp. I'm just slap bang in the middle. And that's a disappointing thing to say for a podcast that's kind of like supposed to be funny and entertaining. But realistically, like, I think it's fine. And as long as it hurts nobody, which it doesn't, then I, I can go with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you ever been in front of a sound system, like in a nightclub or something like that, where, you know, the, the lower rumble comes through it so hard that it hurts your lungs and your heart and you're like, oh my <laughs> God, this is killing me. The actual, when you listen to the production of this, the lower rumble in it is just something really, really sick. Like this would have your heart moving. And you just, you never noticed it when it was on the radio or whenever no. you, when it was out. But actually there's some really smart elements to this now there's a part of me that's really just like anything with like bohemian vibes makes me happy like i love stuff like that just makes me feel really like really happy but you know this was actually in 2000 one of the highest sellers of the year that did not get to number one yeah and it won a grammy it was the fourth biggest selling track of the entire year in the uk and it came out in october Mm -hmm. which which is like do you know what it is and it's that whole thing again where we've we've said in a previous podcast are we just missing a sense of humor these days is everything just too serious and are we too uptight and i was being uptight when i saw this coming because i thought oh not this pile of shite and then whenever i've played it i was like right loosen up stop being an idiot just like open your mind to it and try remember why it was fun and you know it was fun. Obviously, it was like, if you loved Rugrats and you've seen the Rugrat movies, this was the soundtrack to Rugrats in yes. Paris, the movie. That was not that was not part of my life. Like, I was beyond Rugrats at that point. It, By the time it, they got to movies, I was done. It was part of my life. <laughs> it well, it would be because you were, what, four at this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was a big deal. But, like, I just think it's really interesting. And I was like, what the hell does Who Let the Dogs Out mean? And then... 
I, I tried to look into it and I was like, is it about, I thought it could be about people's arms, you know, like about getting your muscles out and all of that kind of cracking a, yeah, a piss yeah. take of that. But it turned out it's really a song about men who are shouting at women and they're shouting obscenities at them. So what actually happens is the women are shouting back at men who let the dogs out, which is actually women challenging men back. And it's a really powerful feminist message. And you would never notice that from that because you just go, what the hell does that mean? Well, he, he, all right, here's the thing. Because the song is not original, it's a cover that was made two years previous to that called Doggy by Anselm Douglas. Sounds like this. Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? Who, 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 and it's certainly similar bohemian bahamian vibes but kind of more authentic and obviously that came from him as a songwriter what it sounds like has happened is that this song's being heard management have said we want a band to do this and make it like a mainstream hit and it's been given the baja men apparently they were quite reluctant and skeptical about it but they were considered perfect for it they did it it became a massive massive hit some have considered them sellouts for doing that but i guess there's there's lots of sides to every story i think my feeling is that the original by anselm douglas was about feminism and man bashing but the 2000 Bahaman version was about dogs and was just about like, and was just like a, like a pure surface track. I didn't get that same resonant meaning from this as I did from the Anselm Douglas one. It's, it's yeah, weird because it's, it's, it's so similar. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of difference, but this one's just a bit more pumping and a bit more kind of like, yeah. I didn't get the vibe that it was about anything more than just literally who let the dogs out <laughs> maybe that makes it a pop track because you know that's sometimes what pop music is about especially in this era where things weren't as international you know there were different versions of the same songs in different countries and we were at a point now where things were starting to change a little bit but overall not the biggest disaster that i thought we were gonna no experience no it was kept off number one by all saints black coffee so you know there is some justice in the world in many respects you know because we we do really like black coffee that's it's a pretty strong song suits the Rugrats movie yeah I think it really does yeah there's something like if you think about it right so it's it's a song that's probably targeted at children but there's an element of listenability there for parents and it's a strong production so it's ticked a load of boxes it's funny how far we've come in 20 years and I think this has been a gradual shift but you know back 20 years ago the big sort of like pop single from the cartoon film would be the Baja Men and Who Let the Dogs Out at the minute there's the film Scoob which is like a Scooby-Doo animation and that's got a track from Lennon, Stella and Charlie Puth <laughs> and it's just like summery summery disco uh-huh. and then you've got like Trolls 2 which is like a lot of contemporary pop songs that have been like sort of trolled up but the main single from that is Scissor and Justin Timberlake again kind of poolside disco it's funny how they've totally changed the nature of those songs that like they would be kind of cheesy back in the day but now they're just like top 10 big hit singles that are just like yeah. vague, vaguely just stuck on the credits at the end but that's like that's the tie-in and kind of sound like everything else as well it's weird now if i think to like go into family barbecues which have not happened in a long time no. i'm thinking about what the kids now would ask for the smart speaker to play mm. whereas years ago i'm thinking about what sort of things the kids would have asked to have put on a cd player or something like that and yeah you know gangnam style and all of that kind of cracks gone yeah you know baby shark was a funny movement but we don't we don't have anything like this anymore and it is quite it's are we just uptight are we uptight and we're all just like we're all pretending to be cool we're pretending to be like oh i know about music this is all great and stuff and just because justin timberlake's name's on it we're we're positioning it as something maybe we just need some crack yeah maybe we just need an, an, an overhaul i'm all for it i really am especially when you look back at the the grammy for the year 2001 <laughs> that it won it won best dance recording 2020 it was won by the Chemical Brothers with Got to Keep On, which is a great, like, sort of electronic tune. Mm-hmm. They, this won it in 2001. It was up against Blue Dabba D by Eiffel 65. <laughs> my, like, that's, that's, if you're, if you're going to the Grammys, you're sat there waiting for, like, oh, who's going to win Best Dance Recording? Is it the Baja Men at Eiffel 65? Oh, I can't wait to find out. <laughs> Be With You by Enrique Iglesias. Let's Get Loud by JLo, which is a tune. And okay, Natural yeah. Blues by Moby. Oh, yeah. So it was different times. It was before 9-11. It was before the, the world changed forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, back when the Baja Men were winning Grammys for Best Dance Recording. It's uh, fascinating to think about. Also, as well, I read that it was championed by John Peel 
of course, legendary Radio yes. One DJ. Mm-hmm. I remember where I was when he died, John Peel. I was in a, I was on a holiday in Richmond in Yorkshire, and um, it was on the radio. And my dad was obviously like really, really kind of sad about that. And I didn't really know who he was because I was about eight or nine at the time. But before we all get too sad about John Peel. Let's also remember that you championed the Cuban boys too. Yes. Uh-huh. That's my that's my mic drop and I walk away. Thank you. Right, the moment you've all been the moment Scott's been waiting for, let's face it. This is a double <laughs> single from the Spice Girls. They're back. It's their first single in almost two years. And it's their ninth number one from ten possible singles. Not bad going. And it proves they're still doing it, still relevant, uh, given the competition that surrounds them. We'll do Let Love Lead the Way very shortly, but first, this is Holler. This is my favourite Spice Girls track. I did them all. Yes, and you've you've played it to me before in the studio when, we, when we've worked together and you've told me you've been looking forward to this quite a lot. Yeah. So naturally, I was kind of looking forward to it too, having never really put it under the microscope like, like we have for the tracks in these series. I'm going to let you go first though, because it seems right that you're... You're very excited. I'm not going to let you okay. not have your moment. I'm intrigued, though. I kind of am worried about where you're going to go with this because I don't really see you as the kind of kinkier side of sex guy yet. So, um, <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, soz. But Not wrong. <laughs> so, opening, you've got a really sexy bass line, which is dead strange for the Spice Girls in many respects. So, with the Spice Girls, we saw them come in with a wannabe where loads of people thought, Girls were actually asking to have an orgasm. Lots of people thought Zig Zig Ah was an orgasm, mm. and they thought it was really strange that girls were saying that. And they were like, "Girls can have that. If girls want to have sex, they can have sex. Girls can have sex for pleasure." And then this is just like the more grown-up side of the Spice Girls. Were actually, it's pretty much a, a real kinky song, and it's about taking control in your sexual endeavors with men and actually being able to free yourself and taking control of them and actually showing them how you can enjoy things with them but the weird thing is it's pretty naughty yeah. like it's actually if you listen to the words it's a pretty naughty song and it kind of goes with the name of this podcast what is the name of this podcast liam the podcast is called the naughtiest naughty this song's very naughty mm. it's very very naughty so i think it kind of matches but yeah so women can take control of the kinkier side of sex now because the spice girls told them they can do it Big change in sound and just baseline. I love it. It is a Dark Child production as well, Dark which child. we have discussed. It's like got its whole Destiny's Child vibe. It's got a TLC vibe and things like that. But it's for me really, really strong. And do you know what it is? Most of the most of it's about the baseline, and a lot of it's actually about the the background spacey productions. The way that they even use Emma and Bender vo- vocal and stuff through it. It all sounds like mm. really new and fresh. Yeah, I think I like I like those production bits the most. You've got me thinking now because you've you've, you've You've referred to the name of the podcast. This this could be a new winner for you, from what I'm from what I'm thinking. But we'll we'll, we'll get there eventually. For, yeah, I think the production's great. I think the songwriting's good. I think I do like the fact that it is overtly kinky. I love that a number one single can be this sexual and this kind of dominant and progressive. I think that's great. It just didn't it just didn't cling together for me. It just I think I didn't like any of their vocals. I thought Mel B sounded too thin in her verse, like it was just sort of slapped on. And then Mel Mel C, she's at least mysterious and kind of like makes that makes that portion work mm-hmm. and makes it kind of like alluring and make it kind of like drawn in. And it's certainly a different kind of voice to what we what we expect from mainstream pop because it's so distinctive and different. The chorus sounded too thin. I thought there was way too much emphasis on the ad-libs. I thought they were put in the foreground and the, the, the chorus kind of got lost amongst the production in the background. I thought Emma sounded thin. And I thought Victoria sounded too nice for a song that's kind of like kinky and like sort of let's have like a mental shag. I thought she sounded a bit too kind of like dreamy and a bit too clean. It kind of comes together at the chorus in some regard, but I, I just, it didn't suit my ears. You know, we've said before about like some things just don't work on your ears yeah mm-hmm. this was this was that for me it's kind of disappointing to say but it didn't work for me at all oh that's disappointing it the thing is it's 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 sexy and kinky but i never felt any tingles from it i was thoroughly soft yeah i think you've got to yeah i don't think it's about 
I don't necessarily think it's about them individually or anything like that. I think it's more about, you know, the message within the song. Mm. But yeah, I can understand what you're saying. Because I thought Mel B was really good. I thought hers was good. But maybe, and you know what it is? I think think she's good, but the mix is wrong. And that's, that's, that's bold of me to say a dark child, one of the best producers around. But I don't think the mix helped her particularly. But that's just that's just what I'm saying. It's not. It's just my opinion. But that's what I said about a Dark Child track recently. Who? What was the Dark Child track that we did? And you said you assumed I was going to love it, and actually I didn't like it. W- was it Whitney and George? It might have been actually. Yeah. Uh huh. And funnily enough, when we get on to the next one, I'm pretty underwhelmed. Okay. You know what I mean? But like the video for this, I think's really really good, and I think it was really you know what we were used to with the Spice Girls is we were used to. Like Jerry has got quite a lower register and whenever somebody does do something vocally there was always like the underlying Jerry really or Jerry come in at a certain point so you are really aware at this point and as a Spice Girls fan you were really aware that Jerry wasn't there yes yeah so yeah. You, there needed to be something there to to pull it off but production wise like I just I really feel like the baseline is a massive deal in this one and it, it, it just kind of pulls it but I think Dark Child's ticked many boxes but I can kind of see why it's a bit thin in many elements yeah. for you. I think maybe they were trying to put the baseline forward, mm. really. And what's happened is he's, he's, they've, they've maybe not affected. And with Victoria, you know, Victoria has always sang like she's trying to just get the singing perfect because she's, she claims herself she was a dancer first and yeah. foremost. And she can sing. Yeah, she can. Yeah. She, she always tried to get the vocals flawless. So maybe and I, whenever I've listened to it myself, I did think that's really strange that the bits that she's been given. I thought that's really strange that they're the lyrics that you're given to Victoria, mm. really. But I think there's something when Mel C or when Mel B sings, I think there's something really relatable about what she says when she sings it and she's really believable. Yeah, she is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad she was put first as well. She suited that first section, but I just think it was the mix but yeah video wise what you've got is you've got the the girls in a pyramid um like a four-sided pyramid obviously where they all represent different elements you get mel b represents fire you've got mel c's earth you get emma as water and you've got victoria that's air and it's just like uh, at the time again another really smart kind of cgi style mm. of video mm. for that era so they they were really good i remember years ago watching a watching the video for it because i wanted to see how victoria leans back and forward and i can remember watching it and she gets like put into these massive ski boots that are fixed to the ground and she has to like lean herself right forward and then throw herself right back while the wind machines are blowing her and then it gets like slow mode and things and um you know whenever you don't expect people to be normal and you know the spice girls for me were so famous that it's really shocking when you see them just talking casually because you just think that's really weird. You're a really normal person. And I remember watching her in the making of the video for it, just like having a crack on and doing these things. And you're like, you're just doing these with like very little direction. And actually, maybe it's really easy to assume that you get told every single thing that you've got to do because you're a Spice Girl. But actually, she just does some stuff and that pans out really, really well. Mm. But the, the video, I think the video is interesting. I think they look really good. And when I went and saw them for the first time last year on their, their full UK tour, they didn't perform this song Ugh. and I was gutted like it turned into like you know one of them dance breaks where they danced to certain elements of it and they only did a small proportion of it mm. obviously it's because the Spice Girls were really all about the first two albums and it all happened in a short space of time this is yeah this is the third and final album isn't it so this this is them kind of drawn drawn to a close but it's a big hit it was number one there was a two-legged single there was also this Let Love Lead The Way was a ballad so i never really listened mm. to it so i feel like i've listened to it now properly from an objective standpoint love the harmonies i think the harmonies in it are really nice yeah i'd never really thought i never really noticed because i didn't really listen to it i never noticed that actually there's a whole third person approach to it so what they're doing is they're singing about someone yes yes and i really like that approach so that's specifically in the verses because then when it comes back to the chorus they then kind of sing inward but i really like that third person approach because it's actually like you know, we've talked about the stories of Craig David's really good. Destiny's Child have done some really good stories. And this is just like 
that's like we've had two ways to do stories and this is like a third mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'd never really experienced it. And I think that actual approach is really smart and I wish I'd kind of noticed it at the time, but never noticed it. Yes. Uh, again, Dog Child, but co-written with the band, as was Holler. So that's quite nice. You can tell they've put a lot of work into it. Uh, I agree. Harmonies are great. But I think I actually like this more than Holler. I think it just works better. I mean, it's weird because it's not my tempo. Yeah. But I like the vocal arrangement better. I think all of the voices get a chance to to fit in and work better. Yeah. In terms of the production, it's quite Mariah. Uh, it's generally quite American being Dark Child anyway, but easily it could be Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. And I think actually it makes a good two-sided single with Holler. I think the two pair up quite nicely as a, as a sort of like total contrast. But there's that continuation across the videos of the elements. Yeah. There's a big practical effect budget in this one. There's lots of like fire and water and stuff. Mm-hmm. Almost too much. I was kind of like, all oh, right, somebody's showing off, got an effects budget. Oh, here we are. Yeah, I like this more. And it's weird because it's, like I said, not my tempo at all, but I think it just worked better for me. I, I, I think Hollow was a bit of a mess for me. I think we've just ticked the boxes that the the discussions and the management and the Spice Girls had at the time, whereas you know they were really clear and there was there was this debate and I think it happened over I think the announcements were made across May, June and July about what was happening with the singles and what the next single was going to be mm. and in May someone said holler then in June someone said no it's going to be Let Love Lead The Way and then there was loads of press about what song is it going to be what song is going to be the comeback song what song is going to be the comeback song and then eventually they've done a double A side and I think maybe they realised that actually some of them are going to tick boxes for others. Some like Holler's going to be too much for some ears. Let Love Lead the Way is a bit more true to historical Spice Girls, and maybe that's what's happened. Is actually, you know, we've both fallen into separate camps on this one. Yeah. Okay, here's a soap star turned pop star, Martine McCutcheon, with a number two single from her. It's called "I Am Over You." remember Martine McCutcheon she was such a big deal at the time there was so much drama about her leaving EastEnders yeah so and because they killed her yes which she didn't want yeah a lot of pressure on her to have a successful pop career mm. this for me pretty underwhelming yes I've completely forgotten it existed and when I listened to it I think it sounds like Honeys yeah but not as good as Honeys and it was a bit devastating yeah it does just sort of it, it, it doesn't stand out it hasn't been remembered particularly and as you say the, the EastEnders thing is very very interesting because she made it clear she wanted to leave but also she wanted to kind of pop back in if possible but they clearly were not fussed with the idea of her just sort of dosting in and out when she fancied so they killed her off and as you say it did put a lot of expectation she did start off well her solo debut perfect moment got to number one in the year 1999 and the album was number two this album was number 25 and her pop career didn't last much longer than this unfortunately no and that's kind of devastating like I, I don't think I don't think I can express whenever Perfect Moment was coming how much anticipation there was for this song mm. it was like such a big deal it was everywhere everybody it, it was a bit like do you know whenever reality TV kicked off and you were always waiting to see if the single got to number one. Yeah. And like everybody was on tenterhooks. Perfect moment. Was that before reality TV really existed? Like Martine was such a big aid. Like, I don't know, you know, there was so much pressure on her. Yeah. Even, even, you know, if this track had been bigger and better, it still would never have compared to Perfect Moment. I think Perfect Moment was just so overpressurized that that might have killed her career before it started. Mm. Well, let's talk about this song because to me, it's kind of in that same mid-tempo of like hearsays, pure and simple. Which is just like a big musical yawn. It's just like, <laughs> ugh. It's not fast enough 
to be interesting. It's not slow enough to be like notable for being slow. It's just kind of like middle of the bleh. Sometimes I think that people produce those tracks on purpose so that they can do live performances of them and sing live and do the dancing, you know, so it doesn't become too much of an extreme. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't mind pure and simple. Like it's not my favorite hearsay track, but I like it. This one, I was listening to it and I, I didn't mind the verses and then the, the chorus did nothing for me really. No. In my head, whenever somebody says name a Martin McCutcheon song, I don't even go to Perfect Moment first. I go to On the Radio by Donna Summer, which she covered, which I thought was brilliant, mm. but it didn't perform as well. You know, this is her second best performance because I think nothing else got to, I think she's had a number one, she's had a number two and then everything else is like five or six. Yeah. But On the Radio, we'll get to that one day and I like that one. Like, I, I really like that one. I think it's a great one. But mm. this one, I haven't got much more to say about this track, unfortunately. Sorry, Martine. No, no I've, got, I've got one more thing and it's kind of like, it was a bit existential. It put me inside my head and I thought, oh God. And I thought, if you if you take it lyric by lyric, line by line, the whole thing is written in cliche. It's almost like they got like a big bag of them <laughs> in the uh, in the in the production office. Sort of put the hand in, rummage around, just try to piece them together and make some rhyme in some way. There's not like a single sincere line in here. It's all things you've heard before. It's all things that have been trotted out in other pop songs over the years before and over the years since. Uh-huh. And I just found it really hard to engage because it just didn't feel. Didn't feel sincere. But then I thought, that's pop music, isn't it? Like, pop music is those cliches and those lines that are, like, written for a pop song because they're kind of what capture people. Yeah. Like, a, good, a well-written pop lyric. I, I, I didn't find anything particularly well-written here, but I, I did just sort of think, this is the pop music machine exposed at its finest yes. or at its most notable. Sometimes that's why I like the artists to contribute, right? Because I think sometimes then people can stand up for themselves and when it is when it is management and when the songs are bought in and it's not from the best writer around, you know, it's maybe from the people that, you know, take you when you're on your way out or whenever you've peaked and all of that and you've been dropped from your first major label. Mm. Sometimes I think that they can over cliche yeah. and what needs to happen is you need to put your foot down and you need to say hold on a second we're sitting down with you and yeah you know management you might have written 100% of this track we're going to change 20 of it because we're going to put stuff into it that's us and I think having those fights are important a bit like you know Shazney's always done All Saints you know the Spice Girls have always done Spice Girl stuff and, and I think it's important I think Kylie has gotten away with it because Kylie hasn't written many of her tracks no and yeah. but she has worked with the best of the best so that she's an example of when it works but when you start to get down the pecking order of less good producers and less good writers you you kind of end up with a song like this really yeah yeah it's a shame and you know Martine was so sellable and like I don't think it's her like I don't think that the like this I know it's a number two I don't think her downward spiral or the the, the fizzle out at this point because she fizzled you know every pop star fizzles out she fizzled out quite quickly yeah i don't think that was down to martine being martine because she's really likable she was interesting she was talented i think it's more about deals background stuff and agencies and stuff mm. sorry martine love you okay then let's change up the tone the tempo the mood the everything as we go to ricky martin and she bangs so funny this to me is like oh we've got a few tracks off Ricky Martin now and then when I did my research this is the lead track off his sixth studio album at this point I know I know isn't that insane because obviously we didn't get him in this country until really you know Living La Vida Loca I think before Living La Vida Loca we'd had one kind of track from him at some point but it still wasn't enough to make a a, a mark but sixth studio album Mm -hmm. big deal check out our Ricky yeah unsurprisingly this was number one on the US hot Latin chart I mean it could not be could it really be a bit weird if it was knocked off by something else and here in the UK it was certified silver 200,000 copies it clearly captures the imagination it's so fantastically camp isn't it like the whole thing is just very very camp whereas Livin' La Vida Loco was on the side of camp but it still felt kind of like masculine and almost like Herculean. Yeah. Whereas this is just kind of like, you know, pop the show open, let's dance around, have an orgy and um, and swim about like fish. Yeah. It's one of those, isn't it? It's a bit strange. I remember with Livin' La Vida Loca, it wasn't long after my mum had died and I was down in Dublin 
and would stay at my cousin's house. And my cousin, this is this is like the time we lived in. My cousin was 13 and he worked in a bar at 13 in Dublin. So he'd be at work till about four o'clock in the morning. And in Dublin, you had cable. So I would sit up and watch the music channels until he came in. Mm. And it was class because it was like the launch of J-Lo. And I remember I would sit and watch Live in La Vida Loca loads. It was great crack. So I kind of had an attachment to Ricky Martin. By the time this one had got out, I think it had fizzled. And because I had an attachment to Live in La Vida Loca, this one seems like it's trying to be a Live in La Vida Loca and it's just not necessarily getting there. Love the tempo of it. Enjoy the chorus of it. Love the brass and stuff like that there in it. And I think it's taken the elements a bit thinly and it could actually probably go a bit more with some of the elements. But, you know, it's fun. You're not a big fan of Santana, are you? Because I think there's a bit of a Santana vibe in the bridge I, as well, too. I, I like Santana. I like Santana, but not the way that the whole song's built around it. And I don't like the, the features that he gets sometimes. But mm-hmm. I like I like the guitar. Yeah, I like it. I like the guitar. Yeah, because it's got your Latin thing that it ticks a box. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think it's just trying to be a living la vida loca. At the time, I think people just enjoyed it. You know, like it was nobody analyzed it like the way we're doing now. So no. it was it was pretty much a a safe bet, but. Still, when you say name a Ricky Martin track, it's not the first one you come to. It could be actually second or third, but you still go to Live in La Vida Loca, first of all. And it's just a bit too close for my liking. But, you know, if it came on at someone's wedding, mm. I'd still be up sliding about to it. Let's address the elephant in the room, as I feel like everybody does whenever they talk about Ricky Martin. Now, there's an asterisk after Ricky Martin because of all these songs that were about, you know, making love to women and being really sexy and stuff. And of course, 10 years ago, he came out as gay. He's said that this track isn't about sex. He says the title is a play on the Big Bang Theory. It is a metaphor for the universe. And the the, the fact that I saw attached to that was this became much more apparent when Martin came out as gay in 2010. Did it? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't make that connection as to why it would become more apparent that it wasn't about what he said it was just because he came out. I found that a bit of a weird thing. I feel, I feel like there's a lot of Ricky Martin things that come up like that and go, oh, well, you know, since he came out as gay, da 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 And that's just society's problem. But there's there's nothing... And I think it's important that, you know, he kind of respects or people respect that, you know, back then it was a different time and a lot of gay people sang lyrics about people that they weren't necessarily into physical relationships with, but that was the deal. And, you know, we're not... Ricky, we're not really thinking that this is a story necessarily about you. Even if you were like out of straight, we wouldn't necessarily think it's about you. We would think that it's people sitting down trying to tell a relatable story so that you can have a pop career. You know, we don't think we don't think Ed Sheeran's done every little single thing he said in his songs, but we do think on the grand scale of Ed Sheeran, no. he's probably way closer to real life experience than some people. Yeah, but you know, we know we know with mainstream pop songs, particularly bubblegum pop songs, that they aren't necessarily built around personal experience and you can sing about she bangs if you want to as a gay person sing what you sing what you want mm-hmm. but, and nobody really well hopefully nobody really cares in this day and age no i think even even then it's she bangs he, he's talking about somebody else he's talking about a woman and that could very easily be like just a friend or just somebody that you sees in the club as you do you know just looking across enviously i don't know well my understanding of the song was that it's a tale of a wild woman who's hard to let go of but actually maybe harder to hold on to. Yeah. In my head, she's Cynthia of Horserentia Cynthia. <laughs> you know, a farmer's wife, hard to, hard to let go of, but even harder to hold. It's a song about Cynthia while Conal Gallon's out plowing the fields and stuff and she's staying at home being the farmer's wife with her low-cut gansies, blouses and skirts above her knees. Ooh, ah. Google it. All I'll say is Google it and then you'll, you'll understand that one. <laughs> the video is, again, fantastically camp. There's an orgy underwater it led to it being banned in some countries uh not, not surprising really but i think when he's not being fondled which is kind of like mostly the middle section he actually cuts like quite a lonely figure did you did you sort of find that in the video that like a lot of it is just kind of like dancing by himself and there's no real interaction with anybody else it just oh i didn't get through most of the video i flipped no. onto wikipedia and blogs and stuff and started reading about it because uh, i was watching it and it, it was some bits of it were interesting and the bits that the bits that kind of interested me was how they did underwater dancing yes. and then it was like at the time at the time this would have been weird because not everybody knew what green screen was whereas i think more people are just well, well aware of what green screen is so it was a green screen underwater scene which i thought was actually pretty creative but the 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 video didn't pull me in so i wasn't and this is the thing like the spice girls pull me in martine wasn't that interested in the music video either baha men i actually watched it you know so 
it's 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 odd that you know we've got this massive international superstar Ricky Martin, and the the, the video wasn't just wasn't doing it. Considering it was banned, yeah, it did pull me in, and I think the the haircut pulled me in. We've done a lot of shocking hairdos in this show, but the frosted <laughs> tips on this guy. I look back because I thought he hasn't always looked this bad. Because in Living La Vida Loco, his hair's quite trim and short, and like you know, dark, and he looks quite sexy. In this, it's shocking. It is so so shocking. Oh. Do you want his hair? I probably did back in the day. I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure I, wa- I, wa- I wanted dipped ends at one point, but I heard it was quite painful, so I just I gave it a swerve. But I had I had some I had some tips at one point. Oh yeah, because it sits sore to get your head the hairs pulled through into the cap. Mm. You get used to it pretty quickly. Well, I didn't, and I I, I do feel like it's a chapter in my life I missed out on. Do you think I could get them at 24? Well, do you think I, could, I mean, I'm, I should I should have got them at the start of lockdown. I've had all this time and nobody's really seen this. I could have had frosted tips this entire time. Oh. In one of my local chemists in Limavada, you used to be able to get like this tip brush, which was practically a mascara brush for your hair. So I went through a phase before I paid, well, I didn't pay because my sister-in-law did it, before I did the full head where you could mascara the fringe. So um, I did have some like gold bits in my hair <laughs> at a, as, a, 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 as a tester before I went full tip. You know, always test before you go full tip. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an interesting sample from Ashes to Ashes to Body to Body from Samantha Mumba. This song has got a very different approach for Irish people because I think, you know, used in England and Scotland and Wales received it as a pop song. Um, we had it as a pop song and it was really, really big. But actually what happened during the kind of hype of this song is it got used in a car crash advert in Northern Ireland oh and God. the Republic of Ireland. and. Our, our needs are very different in Ireland compared to England for road safety because, you know, the road structure is pretty different. Um, there's a lot of countryside and things like that. But we have got what would kind of been classed as, on, on things like Tarrant on TV and things, as the most scariest road safety campaigns in the whole world. So Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland and Australia have got some real graphic things. But Body to Body, obviously because it's called Body to Body, was used in one of our car crash adverts for wearing a seatbelt. So it was no seatbelt, no excuse. We had loads of different themes. We had Never Ever Drink and Drive, where someone's just had one pint, and one pint's enough to make your driving change, and then there's an accident for that. We've got people driving too fast, and swerving to miss dogs and things and then that losing to disaster but the Samantha Mumble one I just remember the advert opens and it goes this is Michael today Michael's gonna hit his girlfriend so hard he leaves her with permanent brain damage oh and then it cuts to them so there's two people in the front of a Ford Escort they put their seatbelts on Michael and his girlfriend get into the back of the Ford Escort she puts her seatbelt on and this advert scared me so much and scared everybody in Northern Ireland so much I have sat in car parks eating kebabs in a car with my seatbelt on because this advert highlighted what can happen to you when you're in a stationary car when you're not travelling too fast and someone else hits you but this song was the soundtrack to that I remember my girlfriend who's now my wife coming over because she lived in England and we did long distance and came over and in Northern Ireland this would come on on a Friday night you know right in the middle of Big Brother or something like that and these adverts would come on and the very first time they'd come on you knew that was what was coming you knew it was a new advert and you just watched it and then nobody spoke yeah after it and then you, ne- you never watched it again or if it ever came on and there was people in the room you, you just talked through it you just ignored it and um, I remember my wife coming over and everybody was sitting around watching Big Brother getting ready for Capri's to go out in the drink and this advert came on and everybody just ignored it and we kind of forgot to tell her to ignore it because <laughs> the first time you watch it you learn what you need to learn from it yeah. and um, she was just completely and utterly gobsmacked like absolutely gobsmacked at what she'd saw and we just didn't acknowledge it and she was like okay, 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 okay. Have, you just, have you just seen what was on the TV and we're like oh yeah oh no you don't look at that you know and it was just so off. so I don't know in Ireland because what you did is you got two different voiceovers and two different number plates in the car you got northern plates and a northern Irish actor for the northern Irish and you got the English or the Irish plates and stuff for the other one I don't know if this destroyed her career or what happened but that song 
I think about it every single time I get into the car because I always, always, always wear my seatbelt. Even if I get into cars with people whose seatbelts are stuck behind seats, I will get out and I will pull their seats down and I will get that seatbelt out. And if the car is too small and there's three of us in the back, I will make sure everybody wears their seatbelt. Jeez. Well done, Samantha Mumba. In terms of what I did at her career, certainly it feels like it probably would have some impact given that, you know, if that song comes on the radio, I mean, presuming it it never does because it has such a lingering effect of like reminding you of a car accident that if it does come on you actively ignore it because you're so conditioned to because of the advert or you've forgotten about the condition thing and you hear the song and it just takes you straight back to watching somebody get hit by a car so it's 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 not the most positive mental image and certainly it's now stuck with me in that regard so thanks samantha thanks scott um (laughs) It's the Department of the Environment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've always thought that the Ashes to Ashes Bowie sample, which sounds like this. It's quite spooky and creepy anyway. It is, yeah. And then recontextualised into this, it's just like a big red X for me. It's just like, ugh. Oh, no. See, so, right, I'm going to I'm gonna move away from the <laughs> advert and stuff because what I've been able to do is, you know, so we, I had this, I had Samantha Mamba body to body before the advert and I thought, let's go back to before the advert. And I watched her Top of the Pops performances and really, really liked it. And I think, you know, the, the Bowie one is a little bit creepy, but I think with her voice, because we've discussed her lower register before, and lyrically, I think what actually happens is she makes Bowie sound a bit sexy and I think there is actually something quite sexy about the song yeah and I I still think it's really odd because this is not her best performing song but if somebody said name a Samantha Mumba song I still think this is the one that people say first Mm. what would you say name a Samantha Mumba song gotta tell you that's purely because of this show I couldn't have named any before this oh could you not so this for me was a massive one and I thought everybody so this got to number two in Ireland as well like she got I think did she just have number ones and number twos in Ireland but yeah I think it's like I think she's really really good there's there's sultry to it as well there's there's sexy I think it's just a really interesting take on Bowie mm-hmm. and you know samples are dangerous but I think to take ashes to ashes and to make it sexy is weird yeah I'd say that it is transformative but for me not not that remarkable Ooh. I think it's very it's, it's very low key mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty sophisticated as a pop production like it sounds pretty like upper class mm-hmm. the sample is interesting but I think it's quite busy vocals ad libs little like record scratchy bits and the samples it, it, it in some parts almost like too distractingly well known yeah to really pay much attention to like what they're trying to transform it with it worked in some regards but at the same time i wasn't i wasn't like bowled over by it oh okay i like it i think it's really good from one interesting sample to another, we've just done David Bowie. Let's do Jim Morrison and the Doors. This is Fatboy Slim with Sunset, Bird of Prey. introduce right but it's kind of an introduce simply about the way that he pans in the first 10 seconds mm. like it's so so smart the way that he's produced this like especially back at that time yes it is what a weird track what a weird weird track I, I, I'd never heard this before uh-huh. I've seen Fatboy Slim live I think three times now at Creamfield each year He's just incredible. But I didn't know he had this in his repertoire. I'd never heard him do anything like this before. He's got like a whole era of this creepy, sample stuff, you know. So this was, you know, we were, I think really, did he shoot to fame really through Praise You? And again, that was quite scary and artistic in the way that he did it. And this was the same thing. So, you know, so many people, and I was never aware of The Doors or Jim Morrison at this point. And this just like was a whole oh, where'd you get that vocal from? It was kind of genius. It was kind of scary. It was a load of different things, like all rolled into one. Yeah. You had a bit of dance. You had a bit of drum and bass. It was like just the weirdest concoction of stuff. But 
really, really, really smart. It's really disorienting and trippy, especially when paired with the video. The video's pretty sinister and pretty creepy. Mm -hmm. Starts off with a real campaign video that was based on an advert, and it was used by Lyndon B. Johnson, terrifying immediately. And then it goes into this kind of sequence of a man flying through the sky, and it's very trippy, and then he's not in the sky, he's just sitting freaking out in the waiting room. What the fuck's going on? It's so strange. So I did bullet points to remind myself of what it was actually like. So, yeah, you've, you've got the creepy advert at the start but you've got a u.s fighter pilot you've got presidential campaigns you've got ejector seats you've got hallucinations you've got mind control references and like that was all way too deep for 16 year old scott like and i think that i heard this in the radio and on compilations that i bought but i wouldn't have watched that video at the time because it was just like a bit too trippy for me yeah but i love the trans elements in it i think it's really good yeah i think when i saw fat boy slim's name was coming up in the the list i was hoping it'd be more like a right here right now oh, or yeah. more like a praise you or more like a anything else mm-hmm. this this just made me want to curl up in a ball and cry <laughs> but he's just not a one-trick pony and that's you know you you've met him have you met him with me have you spoken yeah. to him yeah i've met, I've, I've met him a couple you times you know, the, you know the score with norman the way that he, he does things and he, he doesn't do things conventionally you know he didn't even do cream fields he only ever did cream fails like as the strategy was every second year mm. and then you know to the point where he ended up getting his own arena because his stuff was so cool and the people he was bringing through were brilliant but you know this is just like experimental weird stuff and you know it resonated with people it's strange and it got to number nine you've asked norman about his big red balls before haven't you <laughs> i have too yes uh-huh, and i'm not sure i can completely reveal the answer it's a uh, <laughs> naughty 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 that's for a different naughty podcast <laughs> we'll get it out of him eventually we will <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said i think for once i feel genuinely confident like 60-40, that you might change this week, you might drop Kylie, because the Spice Girls have finally arrived. We all know Scott's fondness after 18 weeks of mentioning them pretty much every week, but Will Holler, oh, let love lead the way, you know, let's not get too ahead of it. It, it could have grown on you since we recorded the, <laughs> <laughs> that, that review. We'll find out very soon. Scott, what are your contenders I imagine Spice Girls are in there. I love how you think that the Spice Girls could be a series winner and you're that confident whenever I haven't even told you who my episode winner is yet. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to put three in the pot. I'm going to say hello to Samantha Mamba, body to body, because I Mm -hmm. really like that and do think that that's really interesting. I'm going to put in Spice Girls Holler, not let love lead the way, and Steps Stomp, because I think that it's a pretty astounding Steps track. Really, so that's my three in my pot. Okay, so which one, Spice Girls, is going to be your episode winner? So I love the fact that you assumed that it was going to be Spice Girls and Holler because <laughs> I've been so hyped for it. And I think that I saw that coming. It really is very, very tight for me between Spice Girls, Holler and Steps, Stomp. Like, it is Ooh, very, okay. very much a weigh-in skills here. And, you know, th- I don't have the passion historically about Steps, even though I think they're a brilliant pop band. And actually, on the grand scale of pop bands, I think they're one of the best yep. for, like, the, the borderline cheesy pop stuff. But their stomp track is, for me, one of their best. Um, 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 I think I am still going to go based on the fact that I love the lyrics in Holler. It's kinky, the baseline's sick, I love the production, and I really just love everything about it. So my episode winner is going to be Spice Girls and Holler, just by a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. Hooray! That makes it interesting. It really does. I, mm-hmm. I'm i very, very excited to find out what happens here. Liam, I've got three in my pot. What are you doing with yours this week? I feel like anybody listening will have got the vibe that I wasn't that fussed about most of this week's tracks. My pot is one... But I've I've been saying recently, like, contenders for me, like, means could they actually be a contender contender? Yeah. And this is brilliant. I don't think it's ever going to trouble the series winner. It's kind of like none in the pot this week, but I'll put it in just so I've got something. Steps. Stomp. Woo! I think I've just become, I've become addicted to Steps. I'm looking forward to 2001 because they've got some even bigger tracks than this. Here and Now is coming up. We've got The Way You Make Me Feel. We've got Chain Reaction. Stomps is a nice starter for the year 2001. I feel so bad. I feel ready. I think you need to learn the dance routine to it. I was watching it again today and I was looking very enviously at the dance moves and it, it does make me want to try and 
figure it out. We should start a TikTok channel. Oh, Jesus, could you imagine? <laughs> I take things like that way too seriously, and I would not be happy posting anything on TikTok unless it's flawless and step see it, and I get recruited as one of their backing dancers. I, I can't do the jokey thing when it comes to dancing. Sometimes I just take things a bit too, <laughs> a bit too seriously, um, unless I know that I'm going to be really rubbish at it, and then I just like give up too soon. Right, okay. Mm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So... Big decision time. Kylie Minogue spinning around. Spice Girls holla. <gasps> I'm excited. Drone. This is easy. Nobody ever says, do you remember whenever the Spice Girls were in the pyramid talking about that dirty song? They always mention the hot pants. <laughs> My series winner is still Kylie spinning around. Oh... You just took a dagger and sliced through my chest. I know, and I feel... All that, all that hype. I know, and I, I know that this was the song that I was kind of coming towards because it was a really great song for me personally, but it hasn't had the social impact. And, you know, if it wasn't big enough for the Spice Girls to put into their arena tour that they did last year, it isn't the winner of our podcast. And Kylie still did such magnificent things i'm not saying kylie was bigger than the spice girls by any stretch but we were doing it song by song and holler is not a better song than spinning around yeah on balance i agree you made that very simple and i think i will too you can hit us with a drone if you want okay this is going to be tense because we just don't know where you're going to go with this liam (laughs) it's between step stomp and step stop step stomp shit can't even say it drone (laughs) (laughs) delirium silence simple as I do love Stomp. I do love Stomp, but it's it's there's better steps coming and Delirium gave me chills. Stomp Stomp made me kind of jealous that I can't go and like be close to people and they have a nice party and like eat party food and and dance and get merry, but yeah, Delirium took me to a different plane of existence. So you gotta have to try harder steps. <laughs> okay, so we're still on Delirium featuring Sarah McLachlan Silence versus Kylie Minogue spinning around. This is a I didn't think Kylie was gonna last this long. But we're we're in a, we're in a special place. Mm-hmm. So if it was a more difficult week, do you think Delirium would have stayed on for you? Yes, I do. I do. I think it's going to take a while to forget how tingly it made me feel. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we're heading towards Christmas as well now. So we've done October. So we've got November and December left to do for the year two thousand. Mm. Um, is there anything that you know off the top of your head? Is going to pop out that's massive i know that leanne rhymes is coming up Ooh, which one it's can't fight the moonlight Ooh. it's that one it's that one mm-hmm. and i also know that daft punk one more time is coming up which Ooh. is a absolute classic again maybe not like a pop pop track but we've mm-hmm. we have done mojo we have done other you know summary french house tracks yeah it very well could be a contender it may be it's aged terribly and in the last few months since i last listened to it it's just gone right down to my estimations but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see see. very soon join us on monday for some bonus tracks that didn't quite make it into october's offerings but we'll see you again for more naughty snowy next friday 